Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're looking at the sunny side of taking on piano transfer students. You can find the accompanying article that goes along with this episode at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 163, or if you're not a member, colorfulkeys.ie slash 163. Hello there, lovely teachers, and welcome back to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. This episode is kicking off our month all about transfer students. If you're not familiar with that term, what we're talking about is students who have lessons with another teacher or with YouTube or with an app. (laughs) They come from somewhere else where they have some form of training and then they start lessons with you. So we're unpacking many of the things that we come across with transfer students this month in terms of the things that they don't know, right? (laughs) The things that could be missing or how we pick things up where they left off with another teacher, whether they loved that other teacher or didn't like them so much or is indifferent and how we get things on track with them for a new relationship. Now, when we started thinking about this month and the topics we wanted to cover, one thing came up straight away with our team. So we're chatting about this on the content team at VMT, and Joanna, who's on our team, immediately said, you know what, I think we should do something about the positives, about the good things that come with taking on transfer students. And I couldn't have agreed with Joanna Moore because I've actually said for quite a long time now that transfer students are some of my favourites. I love taking transfer students. And yet, most of the messaging out there is about, and including stuff that comes from me sometimes, is about the problems we face. Because those problems exist, right? And we have to tackle them and a lot of teachers need help with them and so I'm still going to be covering that stuff. But let's start from a positive mindset. Let's start by talking about all the wonderful things that come with taking transfer students, whether they had an amazing previous teacher or whether you have some question marks around their previous training. Let's set that aside. Let's set aside the difficulties and the judgments on other teachers for sure and all of that other stuff and talk about what's fantastic about these students. So the first thing I want you to acknowledge when you take on a new transfer student is that you are a breath of fresh air to them. 
you have an opportunity right here to take this student and give them a wonderful experience with music. And that's true with new students too. But we will all have many teachers over our lifetime. Um, well, most of us will. And if you look back over your own studies, you probably had several, right? I had quite a few. I probably changed more than most do, but many of us change at least a few times. And so each one of those teachers, you can learn something from them and they give you that fresh start. So this is a fresh start for your new transfer student, even though they're not a new student. It is a starting point and you have an opportunity to introduce them to things that maybe they haven't met before or just help them see things slightly differently. So some of the things that might happen in your studio that they're not used to, maybe you do group workshops in your studio or another type of lesson format. Maybe you do buddy lessons like me. Maybe you do group workshops occasionally like me. Maybe you do groups every week. Maybe you have occasional specific summer workshops or camps or anything else. What do you do differently in your studio in terms of the format? And how can you introduce that to your new student to get them excited about it? Because it is exciting and they won't know that unless you communicate that to them. So when you have your new meeting, your interview with a new student, your meet and greet, whatever you like to call it, when you first meet them, make sure they know about that awesome different way that you do things. So in my studio, I'd be telling them about buddy lessons if they're going into that format and how that works and why it's really fun and what we get to do during that time and about our group workshops, which are they have an opportunity to attend up to 12 per year Um, they're grouped by age at the moment. So 12 per year. And again, explaining to them what happens at those group workshops. We get to do improv together. Here's what that looks like. We get to play games. Have you ever played games in your lessons before? No? Okay, well, you're going to be doing that in your regular lessons. And also you're going to be playing bigger games all together in group workshops. So build up some excitement. Tell them about the exciting stuff before you get into any of the, okay, sight read this for me, or uh, do you know about this and that, or what book are you using, or what grade are you studying for, any of that. Start with the exciting stuff. Another exciting thing for your student might be your performance opportunities. Most teachers do this differently. In my local area, it's actually relatively rare to do these kinds of things at all, right? So most studios where I live, um, not all, but most of them don't do concerts. And if they do, it might, well, definitely going to look a bit different to mine, right? Most of them don't do them at all. But if most people surrounding you do some kind of recitals, there's still going to be differences between the way you do it and the way they do it. So maybe you only do one per year and you go all out and that's going to be different to their previous teacher who did four per year and they were little intimate concerts. Both of those are great, right? So if you're the reverse of that, that's awesome too. Whatever the difference is, it's going to be exciting for your student. There is going to be some difference. So make sure to have a chat with them about their previous experience with performances and explain to them how it works in your studio. And of course, if as long as it is optional, as it is in my studio, make sure they know that and that they won't have to, if they're nervous of performing, it's absolutely fine. They don't have to play it the first one, but it's definitely a low-key atmosphere, so they might feel up for it anyway. 
What about the community in your studio? My studio, we connect with each other in different ways. We have those group workshops, we have buddy lessons, we see each other in that format. But we also connect in a broader way with other students by our group projects, like the challenge board, where I have students' names displayed who complete certain challenges so they can see what other kids are doing, but also our annual composing project, where every student composes a piece, and then we bring all of that together into a book. And this year we actually brought it together into an album because I had a singer record their songs. That's more on that in another episode if you haven't seen me talk about that already. But that's one way that we build community in our studio, make those connections. There are multiple ways to do that. And maybe you can give them a flavor right up front of how you build your community or the fun things that happen that are going to connect them with other students. You're not just a breath of fresh air, though, because of the specifics of how you run your studio. You're also a breath of fresh air because you're just a different person. We're all unique little snowflakes, right? And your perspective, the way you phrase things, the opinions you have on pieces, the way you do things, um, even where you stand in the room, all of those things influence who you are as a teacher and how this student is going to interact with you. And that's a fresh start for them. Initially, it might be a bit bumpy if they need to get used to you, if they're very comfortable with their other teacher and the way they did things. And you're more dynamic and up and down, or you're more pensive and slower to think and um, put careful sentences together. There's going to be some changes, and there is a natural adjustment period there, but that can be a good thing. It definitely is a positive. And you need to have that conversation with them up front so that they know hey, this isn't going to look like your other teacher, especially if it was a recent teacher. This is probably going to look different to your other teacher. All teachers have different ways of doing things, so I'm never saying that my way is the right way and their way is the wrong way. And if you're ever confused by the way I do something, just ask me about it. I'm an open book. But that adjustment period, that's natural. There will be bits and pieces that you do differently that are a bit jarring for them. And that's okay. They'll get used to it, right? And you can chat about it. Keep that communication open. Okay, this second part of why transfer students are awesome and super fun for you, is probably my favorite part. Are you ready? You get more light bulb moments, as we call them. As part of uh, teachers subscribing to emails from Colorful Keys, they get asked a question about their favorite part about teaching and something they're struggling with. And one of the most common answers to your favorite part about teaching or why it is you do what you do is to see those moments. Whether you call it a light bulb moment or not, it's that glimmer on a student's face, that minute when they light up and you see that they get it. Teachers will say, oh, it's when it just clicks for a student or it's when the puzzle pieces fall into place and you can see it on their face, right? So those are the light bulb moments or the aha moments. And with a transfer student, you actually get more of those. There will be things, even if they came from a wonderful previous teacher, there will be things that you describe differently to that previous teacher, that you cover in your own way, that resonate better with this student. 
It's natural. That's what's going to happen. So there will be things that, because they had that previous perspective on it, and now they have your perspective, it makes things click in a new way. And you get to witness all of those. So some of the common ones in my studio are, number one, games, right? So first of all, the light bulb is just, oh my gosh, we get to play games here. (laughs) Um, Because that's often new and novel for them. And then through those games, they get tons of moments that could become aha moments for them. I love to play games with my new transfer students because I get to see what things they know and don't know, understand and don't understand without it feeling like a quiz. We get to have fun together and build a relationship through these games, but I'm also finding out what they get and don't get, right? What they know and don't know. And they get to see that I'm pretty cool (laughs) in my own weird, punny little way. I'm pretty cool because we get to play games for large portions, especially of their initial lessons. So if your first step with a new transfer student isn't already to play some awesome music theory games, then I highly suggest you get on that. And of course, you know you can find tons of games inside the Vibrant Music Teaching Library. The next aha often comes from movement. So I like to get my students up and moving about the place and yeah, just using their bodies, doing gross motor activities, as well as those micro movements that we're doing all the time at the piano. And again, for many students, this is a new thing. So we move to learn patterns, we improve our rhythm, and we move as part of some of the games we play. You know, I love an anecdote that Paul Myatt told me before about this. Paul Myatt is the founder of, or one of the co-founders, sorry, of Forte Piano Schools, which is, they have various piano schools really all over the world at this stage. And a big part of how they teach, they teach in group lessons. And he teaches using what he calls whole body movement, which is a sort of Orf-inspired, Kadai-inspired, Dalcroze-inspired fusion slash his own thing, okay? But if you can picture what an Orf or Dalcroze or Kadai uh, class would look like, you can kind of get the sense of what Paul is doing in his piano lessons. And he told me before about a student of his who had multiple learning challenges, mostly some pretty severe dyslexia that meant that school was just so tough. And her mom pulled Paul aside one day and she said, oh my gosh, you have no idea what this means to this student because school all day is so hard. And when she comes here, she just gets it. And she says piano just makes sense to her. And isn't that amazing? And kind of sad at the same time, of course, because school doesn't have to be that much of a struggle if if we're taught in this body movement way, which we can do with lots of things. But that she gets to experience that through music. And piano just makes sense to her in this way because she's experiencing things first in her body and then translating it to the page or the piano or whatever. And as Paul notes, this isn't just better for her, it's actually better for all the kids, they all love it, but it's especially important for students like her. So if your student has had that stationary piano lesson experience and you're going to get them up and moving about the place, you're definitely going to see some new light bulb moments, no matter who they are. 
Light bulb number three in my studio is about improv. I improvise with every student at their first lesson. It doesn't matter whether they're 3 or 33 or 97, and I do not care if they've been learning for 1 minute or 100 or 1000. I don't care if they're already playing Rachmaninoff. We are going to improvise first because it's the best way for me to get to know them musically and just interact with them with have this musical conversation, get that going. So many piano transfer students will be very nervous of this at first because if they haven't done it before, especially if they've been learning for years and years and years and they haven't done it before, it's totally understandable that they would be apprehensive, right? But if you provide a simple accompaniment pattern and give them some basic guide rails to ensure they sound fantastic, if you have a particularly nervous student, just start with the pentatonic scale and they'll be hooked in no time. And you can see when it hits that like, oh, I can just make music. (laughs) I don't have to have a page in front of me. I don't have to have some prescribed way of doing it. I can just have a format and go for it. The next area with light bulbs is definitely related, and that is composition. As I mentioned, we do this composing project every year in my studio. And for new transfer students, this is often when they get to learn that music isn't just written by other people, whoever those other people are, whether they're alive or dead, it's not just by them. It can be by you too. So they're going to get to write their own music. And I tell them this straight away at the first um, meeting. And many of them look look at me like I'm a bit mad. And many of them just look so excited that they're going to write their own piece and get it quote unquote published by Colorful Key Studio, but still it's going to be in print, it's going to look great, and it's going to be this whole experience about understanding what a composer does, right? And how music is created, not just played. Another area that many students haven't experienced before they get to my studio is playing by ear. And I know, I like to imagine as a, let me see, what was I, 13, 12, 13 year old, when I transferred from my first teacher to my second. If I, at that stage, had a transfer to a teacher who sat me down straight away and told me to work out happy birthday by ear, I think it would have been great for me. So that's why I'm recommending you do it, but it would have been terrifying. So I do want to acknowledge that. If you have an extremely by the page student, this is going to be outside their comfort zone. But when you coax them through it and you give them, again, guardrails so that they can't go that far wrong and it's not going to be beyond their ability, they can gain confidence and they can realize that actually they can trust their ears and it doesn't have to be all about things that are written out as dots on a page. And then lastly, and there's definitely other areas you can go into here, but lastly on my list is new genres. Maybe your student has only been allowed to learn classical music. Maybe your student has only been learning jazz. Maybe they've only done method book pieces. You get to introduce them to new genres and you get to give them a list of listening tracks to say, listen to all of these and pick which one is your favourite so that they can start to expand their palette, expand what music they think they're capable of playing or that they've even heard at all, and see what they love, and try out different things, and play in different ways. 
Now, I believe you wouldn't be taking full advantage of the sunny side of transfer students if you didn't also take opportunity, the opportunity of the fresh slate or the fresh breath of fresh air that you are for this student to introduce them to some different mindsets and expectations. Two would be really important for me. And that is number one, to start to introduce the idea of growth mindset. If you have a student who's been very focused on achievement, maybe brought up that way, or maybe just naturally inclined that way through other influences, maybe you can be the one to teach them that they can get better, that their abilities are not fixed, that hard work pays off, and that perfection is not the goal. Or maybe this is the perfect reset button for your student when it comes to practice expectations. Everything is new. This is a natural starting again spot. So right away when your student starts with you, make sure you have the practice conversation. And I know it's tempting to put this off actually because it feels a bit negative. And especially if they've come from a certain type of studio, it might feel negative. It might be, they might immediately put up their defenses and say, yes, yes, I practice. I promise I do exactly 30 minutes per day. My mom sets a timer and I do it and then I do the dishes and right. Maybe not that dishes bit. But this is a great opportunity for them to reset. So don't waste it. Don't squander it. It's a natural starting again point. We build habits better as humans at these natural starting spots. It's why New Year's resolutions are a thing, or it's why when you resolve to change something, you'll often resolve to change it on Monday or on the first day of the next month or something like that, some other natural point to start again. So this is that for your student. Make sure to have that conversation with them about the practice they're currently doing, what's expected in your studio, and the kinds of practice they should do and how that practice should look. So especially if they're older, talking to them straight away about, okay, in in this studio, we start every practice session by reading the practice notes. Here's where you find them. Here's where you can note down your own questions during the week to ask me the lesson, whatever your system is, right? So this fresh start opportunity is so important because once they get ingrained into your studio and they learn to do things the same way they've always done, if those are suboptimal ways of practicing or amounts of practicing, it's going to be just as hard to kick that habit later as with any student, even a few months in. So make sure it happens right from the start. Now, here's my last sunny moment from our transfer student, although I'm sure there are more than this. So please do comment and let me know your favorite thing about transfer students. But my last one, and the one I'd love you to take away from this episode, is that piano transfer students can teach you. You can learn something here. Remember how we're supposed to be lifelong learners? Well, there has to be something that this transfer student does that you can learn from. It could be something that they did with their previous teacher. It could be something about the way they learned previously. So say they learned off YouTube, right? And you, your first instinct is to go, oh gosh, their technique's going to be horrible, or why are they learning the Moonlight Sonata on day one? Well, There's something you can learn from that. Ask them about the things they did learn. What motivated them to go on YouTube and learn that thing? Maybe they saw it out and about the place. Maybe 
their friend was playing it. You can start to learn from this what it is that motivates students, that motivates them and their peers. And that can teach you about how to relate to them better. Or let's say they came from another teacher and most of the method you disagree with, but maybe there's something that they do beautifully, right? So if a transfer student comes to you and everything is terrible, but they always follow all the dynamics, we'll get to the bottom of why they do that. Maybe it's nothing to do with the previous teacher. Maybe it's something natural with this child, but maybe you can learn something. So don't squander that opportunity for you to learn from them. Make it your goal to find something that you can write down in your diary or your notebook or in your reminder app from every transfer student you take on about something that you could do differently yourself. I would love to hear your transfer student positives, so make sure to leave a comment on the article that goes along with this episode. It's at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 163 or colorfulkeys.ie slash 163. Or you can come hang out with me in our Facebook group that is Vibrant Music Studio Teachers. I'll see you there. Vibrant Music Teaching membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as the fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.